are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I hope I'm a very, I want to be a very positive man. A man went out the door this morning and he's about my age and he said, I wish I had all that energy. I said, what energy? He goes, the energy you have. And uh, I feel like I have energy. I feel like I'm excited about the things of God. I, uh, I'm not negative. I believe that Jesus is coming again, but I still believe there could be a huge revival. I believe God could send, and I believe he would be willing to send one more major revival to this world, to his people, because he's not willing that any should perish. And would it just not make sense that knowing that he knows when he's going to send his son, that he'd say, one more opportunity for God's people to get right. So I believe I'm very positive. But one thing I have tried my entire life, whether this is right or wrong, I, I think it's so correct. I've always been obsessed with I wonder if this is going to be my last day. I pray it every day of my life. It's my second prayer that I begin praying that God today, if I live or if I die or if it's the rapture, I want to be right with you. I don't know when I'm going to die. You don't know when you're going to die. But I do know it's appointed a man wants to die. I have a prayer journal, and in that journal, I have every church member through these years that's passed away. Though I'm not praying for their souls there in heaven, they know the Lord. I try regularly throughout the week to look at their names and remember those children, those babies, those children, those teenagers, those adults that have passed away, and particularly this year and last year, those that have passed away in our church. So it's ever on my mind. I have a list of all the preachers. And uh, since I've begun pastoring here, and it's enormous how many men have died. And all, it seems like I believe almost every single man that I looked at to be a hero of mine in the ministry, every single one of them now has passed away. I was praying for my relatives. I have a page, and on that page, there's, it's just the immediate relatives now, but I have all my aunts and uncles and grandparents and everyone's listed their names and I like to just sort of sometimes, not every day, but I like to spend time each week and just look at their names and thank God. I had five uncles who were Baptist preachers and their wives were Baptist preachers' wives. I had on my side, not my wife's side, on my side I had 13 aunts. All but one is gone. She's in her 90s and they're all gone now and they stepped over to the other side. Uh, we have relatives on both sides and their names are listed there. But in the last eight days or thereabouts, my mind has been so filled with going to see the Lord Jesus Christ and living our last day. Julie, I thought, and Gabe, we're glad you're in church tonight from North Carolina, from Brother Coburn's church, Gabe Fenera. But we were at your mom's memorial service yesterday. And... Uh, Julie could tell you, Julie Fenera, her mother was such a special lady. She was a wonderful lady, was saved in 1987. She was one of those ladies that I know you don't 
get saved at birth, but she was one of those types of ladies that if you could have been saved your whole life, she was one of those. She was so kind and so sweet. And she and my mother, my mother was a little bit older than she was, but uh, she was also sweet to my mom. And they were good friends. And it's just a strange feeling uh, to think that, uh, that she's been here and now she's gone. And I know we get older in life, and it's a, it's a good thing to go to be with the Lord. And really, I know my wife and I had been praying for Julie that her mom would go. It was time, not that, but things were changing with her health so drastically. It's like what we did for my dad the last two years of life. We prayed, oh, God, please take him. But then when he takes him, we weren't trying to get rid of my dad. He was just so confused. And I knew he did not want to live that way. We had talked enough through the years, and I, I just was so, when he left and when he was gone, there's an emptiness. And so we had Julie's mom, and this little girl, high school senior, that just saying her mother is gone because her dad just passed away, uh, Jennifer. And she's taking care of that with her dad's funeral. And, and then we had Jerry in our church last week that just sat here week after week and uh, awful accident, uh, hit by a car, 91 years of age, and was here. And yesterday, Brother Nikolai, Dr. Nikolai, you had his service at 11 in the morning. And to think that uh, Jerry's gone and his life is over. And then, of course, on Friday morning, the uh, service in Arkansas for our dear friend who sang behind this pulpit many times and sang at the old building. I remember 25 years ago, the first song Buddy Blunko sang here, I am, Jesus said to me, I am Alpha and Omega, the in-between. And I hope it's not depressing to you tonight, but my mind has been filled with the fact that I don't get to pastor you all the time. Some of you are gonna go ahead of us and I don't know, God may choose me uh, to be ahead of you. I'm not sure. But there's only one person that ever walked this earth that knew exactly the day that he was going to die. And that was our Lord Jesus Christ. He knew exactly. And this verse, he said, he's been telling my time's not come. His mother wanted him to do some special things and the hour wasn't come. And his disciples, it's not the hour yet. But in chapter 13, Jesus writes before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus, what's the next word, church? New. New. It has always been my prayer that one day if the Lord tarries in his coming and I, I'm buried, I, I want to be buried in Santa Clara. My heart is in this city, and it's in this area. And one day, and I don't know the day, there's 365 days, one of those days is, I know the day that life began on August the 28th. But one of these days, there's gonna be on that marker chiseled in if the Lord tarries, there's gonna be an end date also. I don't know when. My mother and dad died almost the same day, two years apart in the same room, in the same bed, at the same place, about the same time. It was March, I don't know if 
March is going to be the month for me or for you or May or June or July. I don't know when it will be. We had a Baptist preacher preaching in this town some years ago. And on Mother's Day, he was preaching and fell over dead of a heart attack. I don't know the day. You don't know the day. But I'm constantly, every day, I've been this way from high school uh, through college. Maybe it's wrong. But I always ponder, before I come to preach, I think, is this the last one? Is this my last message? Will I ever preach again? And the Bible says when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world. I want to speak to you about these last six words. I want you to read with me, beginning with he, to the last word, end. Could you read with me verse number one of chapter 13? The last six words, ready, begin. He loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. None of us know when the end is, but he did know the end. And because he knew the end and because he was God, uh, he invested his life right to the end in what his father had commissioned him to do. He came into this world for the purpose of dying for my sin. And he fulfilled that to the end. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, his last word was finished. It is finished. It's tetelestai as a Greek word, completely paid in full. It's all done. The transaction is finished 100%. He loved them unto the end. I'm coming to you on behalf of that last word and that last phrase. How about the end? You know, I've pastored literally tens of thousands of people in these many years here. We've had 18,000, right at 18,000 baptized. They're members of our church. We've had people unite with our church. They have been from all over. I've pastored many people. But you know what I found out? It's like the four soils. Jesus had a success rate of 25%. That means 75% quit. One time, Jesus had a success rate of 10%. 10 lepers, one came back. And if Jesus can have a 10% or a 25%, who am I to think I could have more than 10%? No, many, many come and they get fired up and they get excited about the things of God and they get excited about the choir and music and specials and preaching and what's happening and souls getting saved, but they stay, they dureth for a while and then finished. I don't want to dure for a while. Dureth for a while. I want to finish my course. I want to stay with this thing. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to quit midway through. None of us know the end. None of us know the manner, how we'll pass away. I don't know if it'll be a car accident. And I know this is not really part of a message, but I, I feel led and I did this years ago and spared a lady of a terrible accident that next week. But I tell you what, my wife and I were out the other day and at every stoplight, people went through red lights. Expressways, boulevards, 
I, I want this church like never before to keep your eyes open. We have people driving crazy and it's all over this world. We're all in a hurry. I throw that in, it has nothing to do with the message, but we don't know when it be a car accident. I used to travel every Monday and Tuesday and when it came to December, my last meeting, I'd come back home and the, the wheels would hit Santa, San Jose Airport or San Francisco, Oakland, but most of the time San Jose. I said, Lord, another year, I didn't die in a plane crash. And I'm so grateful. It may be a car accident for you or for me. It may be a plane accident. It may be a boating accident. It may be, it may be a heart attack. It may be cancer. It may be fire. I don't know what it's gonna be, but there's coming a day if we live long enough, we are gonna draw our last breath and we'll have to look back. It's the end, it's over, it's done, and only what's done for Christ is gonna last. Jesus loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. I hope, I hope I can be your pastor to the rapture. And I hope that we can see this thing end together. But one day, you'll go first and I'll go first. And I hope that if I go, I'll say, I could say, pastor loved this church to the end. These last six words are so important. It's a completion date, the end. I know the end, he said. This is the end. I love to go, I don't know, I hope I'm not sounding sadistic, I just love to go to the cemetery to pray. I love it, it's quiet, and I'm not trying to be humorous. I, I've got too many people out there, I love all these cemeteries around here. I love to go to the cemetery, and I love to just sing, and I love to walk, and I love to pray, and I love to pause at all the markers and remember this one, and this one, and this one, and these that have been members here. But every one of them have a start day, and every one of them have an end date. You don't know your end date, I don't know my end date, but it may happen that this week, like a buddy Blunt called two weeks ago today, was in a church singing, it may be that you are serving God as a Sunday school teacher, and today was the end. You'll never teach again. It might be that you're in a hospital next week, clinging for life, or I might be, we don't know, and I'm not trying to be so negative tonight, but I want to try to come to you about this subject, our last day. I thought of it so very much. You know, I thought of it, Brother Russ, I thought of it so much with Brother Buddy Blunk, I've said it from the pulpit that, that his wife, I don't know, it was Saturday late afternoon and, and she may have been cooking a soup or a stew or something and I had it, and he said, I'm just going up to the roof to fix something. I don't know, she may have said, Buddy, you be careful up there. That's what my wife would say. I, don't be long, come on down, we're gonna have dinner. Somewhere in those moments, that last conversation, he walked up there, got on the ladder, got on the roof, and something happened, whether a heart attack went, and head first in the concrete, and he perished that day, just two weeks, just a week ago, last, last Saturday. I told my wife, we've been praying for his wife and family, Narsh out of our church, I love him so much. And what a load that young boy carries today, his son-in-law. And I said, I said, just think, honey, in six days, they buried him on Friday. So in six days, he was singing, had the accident. I believe went by ambulance, then went to a place and a helicopter took him. And in the helicopter passed away and went to the funeral home and he went to the church in a casket 
and they had a service and they went to the cemetery, they buried him in six days. Her life is but a vapor. It appears for a moment, vanished away. You young people that are here throughout this auditorium, may I ask you please, get serious with God and live for him a lifetime. Don't be sidetracked on this thing. You young couples, would you, would you please love one another? Would you please realize that you've only been married a year or two or three or five or 10 or 15 or 20? Would you realize it's the privilege of your life to have that wife or to have that husband? You that are elderly tonight, would you thank God that you have life? And let's not be talking about how, well, I'm so old and I don't feel well. Let's enjoy the journey. And I find as we speak about our last day, I want to bring to our attention that we all have our race. Turn with me to the book of Acts, just one book over chapter 20, please. We all have our race. I have a race. My race is not your race. Your race is not my race. Acts chapter 20, and I'm gonna ask you to read with me tonight. Acts 20, 24, ready, begin. But none of these things move me. God gave all of us, God's given all of us a course. And the ministry that he gave you, God's given you a course. Paul said over there in 2 Timothy chapter number, chapter number four, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith and then I have, what does he say? Finished my course. Are you even on your course? Are you on the track, running your race? Are you doing what you're supposed to do for God with your race? God, God has given you a course. I love it when I see people that started on the course years ago with us, and I see those men becoming like me, either bald or gray or white-haired. And they've been doing the same thing week after week, after month, after month, after year, after year, after decade, after decade. They're on their course. They stayed on their course. God has a race for you to run. Not only do I see in this, our last day, our race, but I see our relationships in life as I think of the word of God. It's so wonderful that God brought into my life a young lady. I can recall when I received that letter in 1971 from Pastor Swanson. He said, Jack, I'd like you to come and candidate. I have the letter in my office to be the music director at our church and be our janitor. You know, when I got there, there was this girl on the piano, her mother, her mother had just died a few months before. It was my wife, Cindy, it wasn't my wife then. I can remember praying for her in college, I didn't even know who she was, but 
It hurt me so much that there was eight children in that family. A pastor's wife, 45 years of age. And there, there was that young pastor, 45, with eight kids. Though I prayed for this lady, and the lady that's gonna be my, was gonna, is my sister-in-law then, wasn't at the time, Mrs. Strofe. I can remember praying for them and praying for those boys. Didn't know they're all, all the six boy, brothers' names at the time. But I never had an interest in dating that girl. I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was sweet. My heart broke. And a month went by and two months and four months and six months and eight months and nine months and 10 months and 11 months and 12 months. And then one day she started trying to get her hooks into me. She knew a good thing when she saw it. And, and you know the whole story. She sent me this hoax letter because the college career director of man said, these kids are in Bible college, Jack's with us, and somebody's got to write him. And I got this letter to box number 24 on Wednesday. And I took what she says was a joke, but you know, man, as well as I, there's no such thing as a joke. I mean, she was after me from day one. I could, I could tell. And, and she even said in that letter that her six-year-old brother got married. So maybe it was a joke. But I don't think so, Brother Cooper. I think she was really trying to get me to date her. And I'll never forget on that Wednesday night after church, I said, Cindy, I need to have you go with me to the bank. I mean, I was getting a lot of money. Her dad was paying me 25 bucks a week. Cheapskate. And if you're listening, father-in-law, you owe me money. Trust me. And we were going to First National Bank. Well, you were in college, were you chaperoned? <laughs> Students. Now, come on. Sure, I was chaperoned. chaperoned. My Bible was in the front seat. The Holy Spirit was with us. And if you try to do the same thing I did, you're going to be in big time trouble. Some of you are getting ideas right now and get rid of those ideas. And I broke the rules, but um, having a good time. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm ashamed to tell you I was driving that 1965 Ford. Why a man would ever buy a Ford, I have no idea. But my dad sent me 500 bucks. He said, son, find a car. And I found this 65 Ford. It blew smoke all over America. But I bought it anyway. I'm over here on this bench seat way by the door driving this big old thing. And they're huge. The long bench seat. And she's over here, way over here, hugging this door. And she said, okay, why am I in trouble? What did I do? I said, you're not in trouble. I just kind of wanted to be with you. I'm turning the wheel right now. I'm going around the corner, and for some reason, she just kept sliding over. <laughs> you did not use seatbelts back then. I don't know if we even had seatbelts, but my, we could have fit in one. Students, you're not listening to this. My nephew's here. You're not listening to this. 
I got so fired up. <laughs> Preach it, amen, I'm having a good time. It was an ice, uh, ice storm that night. I got so fired up, I was driving back from Illinois to Wisconsin late that night, country road, out Owen Center Road, we're at dead ends. And I was driving like an idiot. I was so fired up that this girl had the privilege to be with me. And I went through a, another road, a highway, and there was a barricade, and I went head on straight into that thing and told that car out. You know, I didn't realize, and we were married about, I guess, nine months later or so. I didn't realize how good God had been to me. And I know it sounds strange. She's in the nursery tonight, so I can... I know it sounds strange. But I know every day of my life, I look at the fact, I look at her. I never tell her all this. I feel so blessed to be married to her. And I want more days. I don't want it to come to a close. I want to get real old together. And I want to be raptured together. I'm going to ask you, so you, 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 we have these relationships in life. There's a marriage. What are you doing wasting your time yelling at one another and argumentative? What are you doing mad at one another? A man said to me, Pastor, I, my wife and I, we eat. We haven't, we haven't talked in about six weeks. I said, what do you do at dinner? We just sit there. We eat. We have not talked and spoken in six weeks. How can you live that way? How can you live upset with your mother, our father, our mother-in-law, our father-in-law, or your brother, or your sister? How can we live in such an environment where we're not right with our relationships of life? And what is marriage? You say, well, it's difficult. She doesn't understand me. I don't understand. Well, then start understanding one another. It's not that difficult. Somehow you fell in love. Figure this thing out, how to get along. Because Jesus said that he loved them to the end. Love your mate to the end. Love your children to the end. I had somebody tell me this past week, and it's just brokenhearted. It did not happen, it happened this week, but they just happened to say, my, my dad walked out on us. My father walked out. That's not loving to the end. That son, that daughter, they need you to the end. That wife, that husband needs you to the end. Your mother, your dad, they need you to the end. Don't you ever get this idea, I'll become a prodigal and I'll cut my mother out, I'll cut my dad out. No, that is exactly opposite what Jesus did. He loved them to the end. Your family, your marriage, so I see relationships, I see race. I believe I'll close, I see responsibility. When I see this verse, I think of responsibility. I think of the responsibility of your job. J.C. Penney said when you retire, you retire to something, not from something. I had a man tell me recently, I've, I've gonna have to retire. They're forcing me into retirement. 
I remember when my dad's company forced him to retirement at age 62, which is very young. He said, son, I don't want to go into retirement. I want to work. And I remember saying, dad, come to work here. I can't pay you hardly anything. But I remember him taking the hospital visitation and being in all the hospitals. It was different then. You'd stay for days. But how sad it is where someone has to retire. I think about the ministry. You know, I think of that day that Brother Bobby Robertson died, passed away, went into the presence of God. I didn't get to go to a lot of the funerals of preachers, but I went to his funeral. I'll never forget that morning of, I got, I was, I was on the property uh, sleeping in one of the guest houses and I got up early and I saw the coach had come in a white coach from the funeral home. And it was such a strange feeling. They have a cemetery on the property just really right, right next to where I was staying. And his marker was in place already. His wife's there. And I walked the property that early morning was beginning to pray, it was a cold morning. And I came to the point, I saw, I never spoke to him, I saw an usher. There was a sign where he'd always park his car. It said, Pastor. And they put a cone there so no one could park. And they put a beautiful floral arrangement on the pole, underneath the word Pastor. Pastor, floral arrangement. You know, six months before, we never knew that would be the end. Like all our folks, when they pass away, if there's an open casket, I can't stay very long. Brother Lex, I could not stay very long and see him a few weeks ago. I just couldn't do it. I saw him. But I remember going to the front early with the family, and they had gone through, and then I, I looked, and I just saw that, that body that once was full of life and his ministry was over. I talked to a man this week that he said, I'm a, I'm a preacher. My life is preaching. And I have to retire. Getting too old. I don't want to. But it's not fair to these people. Ladies and gentlemen, the time will come whether it's your job or your ministry or your Sunday school class or your bus ride or whatever it might be that perhaps you can't do it anymore because you physically can't keep up with it. I'm not talking about trying to get out of it. Oh, what a hard day that was when my dad said, son, I can't sing in the choir anymore. He sang his entire life from a teenager who died at age 93 his entire life till he was about 90, he was in the choir. He said, I can't, I can't trust myself in the choir. I get so confused with the steps. And I hope this is not any, anyone say, that's me, I gotta get out. No, I'm telling you, his heart was so heavy. His heart was so broken. And God gives you a responsibility. Do it to the end. 
for some reason, Revelation 2.10 came to my heart with Joel Spencer, our sweet deacon. His wife's watching the service right now. And I kept thinking of Joel before he was passed away, faithful unto death. And I'll give thee the crown of life. I read that text, I always think of Joel. There's coming a last day for your ministry, your responsibility, your job. If we had time, I'd sing it with you, but we're out of time, 185. When my life's work is ended, end it. I've been singing that, Brother Elliot. I've been singing that. When my life's work is ended, I hope my journey with that Sunday school class, Mrs. Treber and I have, I hope it doesn't have to end soon. I hope my ministry in the behind this pulpit doesn't have to end soon. I, I want to keep going. I want to go until Jesus comes again. But Buddy Blanco did too. He wanted to keep going. Oh, he's in heaven now. I don't think he'd want to come back now. While I'm here, I long for church. I long to hear you sing. I long to hear the choir. I long to be around the people of God. My life's work has ended and I cross the swelling tide. I shall know him, the blind writer Fanny Crosby said. I shall know him by the prince of the nails in his hand. I'm talking about that Absalom did not know that day that he got on that animal and started riding it. He didn't realize that on that day when he woke up, this is your last day, Absalom, and his hair got caught in that branch, that thick branch, and he hung there and died. Ahab did not know when he got in that chariot that day that someone was just going to take a bow and pull it back and an arrow and just at random let it go. And it went and sailed up high. And then it came down. And in his chariot, it came pointed right to him. And sure enough, it got Ahab. And there he died. Jezebel did not know as she lived in that palatial palace that they're going to come in that day and someone's going to say, throw her down! And they threw her down. And the dogs came, licked up her husband's blood, and nothing was left of Jezebel. She didn't realize it'd be the last day. I don't believe Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, knew that just in a matter of a short time I'll be dead. And he bargained for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And he got that money, and he said, now it's blood money. He betrayed him with the kiss. He said, I, I wish I hadn't done that. And he gives it back, and they says, we can't take it. And they purchased a potter's field we have in our cemetery. It's called a potter's field. Every cemetery does. For those that are poor, there's no markers. They're just buried in a potter's field. Judas that morning out got up thinking, I'm going to commit suicide today. 
I'm going to kill myself today. The Bible says that Jesus loved them to the end. And all I'm coming to you on is this subject tonight. Go to the end. Go to the end. You get to be 40, stay in church. You get to be 50, stay in church. You get to be 60, stay in church. You get to be 70, 80, stay in God's house. Stay with your mate to the end. A lady was dying of cancer and the husband came in. I heard so such a sad story and said, I'm not staying with you. And he walked out of her life and left her to suffer alone. A man came in and said, uh, in another situation, we have all these kids are driving me crazy, and I don't get along with you. I'm out of here and never came back. I gave illustration this morning of jails. And some of our bus kids, their parents are in jail today, a father, a mother, or both. And at that door, I had so many, he said, you're telling our family's testimony today. I had three different people come to me and say, adults, and I wasn't preaching on the prodigal, but we've been praying for prodigals in our Saturday night men's prayer meeting. And three adults said, I'm the prodigal. And I never told that illustration, but he said, I came back to God today, made such a mess of my life. So we're so happy for you. I, I don't know what you're all going to face, and I, I don't like it when I see what some of the things you go through. Sometimes some of the things you go through keeps me up at night. I don't want you to feel badly about that. It just bothers me. I try to take it to God in prayer, and I do. But it hurts me so much when I see you hurt. And I see the struggles you go through and the situations you go through. But don't give up. Stay with it to the end. The old building was somewhat like this, and I can remember illustrating. If this is the start date, and that's the finish date, give your, your adolescent age and give your teenage years right here, give them to God, and your 20s to God, and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, and give your 60s. And somewhere along the line, you may not have the 40s and the 50s and 60s. And somewhere along the line, you may have the 80s and the 90s. There's a sweet 93-year-old woman sitting right down here this morning. She sits there every Sunday morning. And three sweet little ants right there. There's one right there tonight. We were singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And the, they had the Kleenex out, and the 93-year-old sister was wiping her eyes and said, that was my sister's favorite song, Mrs. Nashon, your grandmother. And those aunts all said, two of the three I got to talk to, said that was our, our mother's favorite song. 
What a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.